I love stories. So I decided to start a podcast where I could talk to people about their favorite stories. If you're like me and you love a good book, this podcast is for you. Although I will warn you, there are spoilers, but honestly, can you ever really spoil a good book? Hello and welcome back to It's Lit. We're here with Geraldine Witchers today, talking about her book, Bridgers. Uh, okay, well, to clarify, it's actually um, a web-based serial at the moment. It is actually, it's going to be a book as well, but I've started by releasing it as a serial. Can you define a serial for me? Uh, it's a story that is uh, released in episodes. Um, so each, each episode is not exactly self-contained, but it does have sort of a beginning and an end to it. And, and then a few days later, you get the next episode. Okay. How many are out right now? 13. 13? 13. 13 as of the 29th, yeah. And how many do you have scheduled? 25. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Like, I knew it was online because that's where I've seen all the stuff yeah. for it. Yeah. But I didn't realize that's what it was. Okay. So tell me what the overall story is. So basically, to set it up, it, it begins in a... Um, a distant future in North America where uh, resources have been depleted quite a bit. Uh, things have been deforested. And and in the world, then, sort of these conglomerates of nations are fighting over the last remaining resources. And so um, the main character's name is uh, Char or Charlene. Uh, she is a former soldier uh, who had been fighting in sort of the energy wars that are going on. And after a military scandal, she um, left the military. Her career was just kind of wiped out and she became a private security operator. And so she and her team that she leads go up to a remote research base to uh, to protect it. And um, so that's, that's the setup for the story. Anyway, so it begins one night uh, where this relatively human-looking creature comes crawling out of the darkness of this remote Ugh. research base <laughs> and it, he's badly hurt and they're like where did this come from and uh, when he comes to then he tells them that he's come through a portal from another world and so to make a long story short they figure out that hey this is a race of people that jump between between worlds and they find resources and stuff like that we could probably do that too so they they um they decide to send Shar uh, and her team and some scientists through the portal to explore this world and see if they can find some resources to exploit. Um, of course, it's not all quite that simple. Uh, for one thing, Shar's um, ex-husband turns out to be the doctor at the research base, so that's kind of awkward at first and then complicates things as, as stuff goes on. So That sounds super cool. Where'd you come up with the idea for this, story? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, I think in some ways, like, I'm a, a big fan of Narnia. And so it may have kind of started with that other world jumping, uh, jumping between world idea and then became something, like, completely different. It takes me a long time to sort of put together my, my world and my plans. When we were talking before, you said this is your fifth book kind of... The, like thematic so is this in the genre that you usually write 
Um, I bounced around a little bit. I've always written speculative fiction. Um, I've done a bit of urban fantasy. Um, and then this is, I guess, my third sci-fi. This one leans a, leans a little bit more to dystopian, uh, which I've done one before. And then I went when there was like a, a zombie apocalypse type story. Okay, cool. So I feel like as a writer, you must have a vested interest in all of your characters. But if I had to twist your arm and make you pick a favorite, which one do you think? Um, I think that I identify most with uh, Char in this story. Um, I mean, our career paths are vastly different. Uh, she's a, she, you know, she's a soldier and I am, uh, would consider myself to be a pacifist, but she's this person who like would give, gave everything she had to that career and it didn't pay off. And, and I'm kind of similar that way too, where I will, I will work myself to death trying to reach this ideal that once I get there, I think this will make me feel like I've accomplished something. And that's exactly what she did. Like she basically threw everything she had, including her marriage into that, you know, unending, you know, track to try to reach the top of her, her field. So, um, and then comes out of it mentally ill and tired and jaded and i kind of feel like that's where i've ended up too so mm-hmm. yeah a lot of the authors i've like looked into who talk about their writing process or people who speculate about authors and like all those kind of things seem like they think i don't know i feel like people who don't write think authors do it like maliciously of like okay like I'm gonna make all my characters like have like this element of someone I don't like or like this element of someone I do do you think it's true that like you put a little bit of yourself into every character or you like pick and choose from other people around you um I think it's true that you put something of yourself into all the characters you can hardly not do that Mm -hmm. because you know each character you write is kind of like playing a role you know, how an actor would play a role. And every actor will play their role a little bit different. But if you would, like, watch all the, you know, an actor play several different roles, you can still kind of tell it's that person. Yeah. And that's the way it is with writing characters, too. Um, you know, other people, I don't... I've borrowed, like, like ways of talking from other people. Like, for instance, one of my characters in, in a different story, Jack is kind of a rough and tumble like construction worker type guy and I and I borrowed his way of talking from someone I worked with where you know he just you know, he swears a lot and and stuff like that and and as someone who doesn't really and came from a conservative background that I had to like how do they actually use these words <laughs> and so this coworker was a perfect character study of how do you use words in many creative applications so that's, you know, he kind of became Jack, at least his voice, but not not his life in any way. No, I think I think that's a good way to describe it. Like, sure, you pick and choose, but it's because you have to write what you know. Mm-hmm. So how else are you going to come up with a whole person and, like, not just them, but, like, how they talk, what's their backstory, where do they come from, and not borrow a little bit from other places. Yeah, exactly. Um. So you told me a little bit about the world and the setting. Is there anything in that realm that was hard for you to write or that you were really excited about getting to 
right? I know when I write, some of the hardest things I have to come up with is currency. I have a really hard time figuring out how currency works in my own world. <laughs> For me, like, I'm not really a world builder. I'm a very character-based uh, writer. And so I make up the world... I make sort of a basic plan for it, but I don't really revel in the small details. Like currency, when you said currency, I'm like, oh, shoot. I wonder what the Navadani, you know, in, in Bridger use for currency. Like it's never even occurred to me to think of that. I'm just like, okay, well, this is what they look like and this is what their world looks like. And here are a few of their defining features. It's not really what I enjoy doing. So all of the world building is hard for me. <laughs> Like I have the characters. I if the characters could exist in a vacuum, I'd be happy, but they can't. So okay, <laughs> I'm just I'm so interested in the fact that you much prefer like I don't know. I really like world building. I'm from a land of like mythical stuff and dragons, and I'm like, yeah, let's make them all interact, like love each other. It's like that that meme where you're like, now kiss. Like that's that's <laughs> me and my like worlds. I'm like, okay, so you're over here. This is what you do. And I'm like, now let's name this mythical otter that appears once in the story. So how do you, like when you're creating characters, do you plan like how they're going to interact with certain things or does the story change based on how your characters like move naturally through the world? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I think that I kind of build the world as is necessary for the characters. And so a lot of what happens in the story has far more to do with how do I resolve this character conflict than here's the world, now the characters go in it. Mm-hmm. So it's like more like here's the characters and now the, I build the world around them. Okay. Um, hmm. I should have like sent you questions beforehand so you had time to prep, sorry. Well, you can just edit out the spaces, right? Yeah. So I don't have to worry about that. No. I can just think about it. Maybe you can try rephrasing the question. Um, okay, so one of the authors I follow on Twitter and stuff, and like I really like her work, but she'll often post about how like something is happening in the story and the main character is like talking to her about like, I know you want me to follow this route so that the book can go in this direction, but that's not true to my character. Do you find that you're often faced with like, okay, this is where the story, like you planned it to go, but it's hard to get your characters to go there naturally? Um, so the whole idea of like characters talking to people, I know that's something that authors tend to do. Um, that's not something that I really subscribe to. I think it's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm of the, I'm, I agree with you. <laughs> I'm like, no, I am the author. I do what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess like going back to the whole actor playing the role analogy, I kind of figure out where I want them to go by kind of role playing it mentally. Okay. And so by the time I decide where they're going to go, for the most part, it already makes sense for that character because I've kind of been that character going down that path. Okay, cool. If that makes any sense. No, that does. Now, sometimes I just have to go like, here's a logical thing that they would do. Um, but for the most part, like how they react and stuff like that, it's it's kind of more that actor character role where I, where I assume the character and then 
try to decide how they would react in that area. That makes much more sense to me than, like, my character is telling me that they would not do this. Yeah, I'm also just, like, when I write, I go, okay, do it. (laughs) I'm like, this is what you're doing today. (laughs) Let's see how it goes. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, how to phrase this question for a writer instead of a reader. Um... Tell me about your writing style. Very big, open-ended question. <laughs> sure. Um, well, in terms of when I'm working or like when, you know, if you would read it, this is how it goes. I guess both. Okay. Um, when I'm planning, I, I, I didn't start out as a planner. Like you'll hear these terms thrown around by authors, planner and pantser. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pantser being, by the way, someone who just goes by the seat of their pants it's not someone who like goes around pantsing people <laughs> thank um, goodness <laughs> i would kind of consider myself somewhere in between so like the people who are hardcore into world building i think they kind of by nature need to be planners um as someone who goes a bit more of a an actor character sort of um mentally role-playing things out i don't feel that i need to be quite as well planned but to make it conform to a good a proper structure which is very important to me then I do I have started you know meticulously planning over the plot of the story at very least excuse me um and so my style of prep is to spend a lot of time in kind of that actor character mode of of mentally role-playing out scenarios and trying to come up with a plot that makes sense so I start with a character generally one character that stands out for me um, and then I will kind of start building their their life around them a little bit mentally and go, you know, okay, this is a character. Now I need a conflict for them to exist in. Um, and then, and once I've kind of decided that, then I'll mentally start building out a plot to the point where I think, I think I actually have a story here that could be worth writing. Once I get to that point, then I'll start putting pen to paper and making an outline um, that makes sense. Um, and then, you know, actually meticulously plans out the different plot points that I need to achieve that, that arc. Mm-hmm. Um, from there on, then I just, I just write it. I write it line- linearly. I know some people prefer to jump around. I write beginning to end. And the editing process is, has changed every time. Um, but my preference is to set it aside for a little bit, come back to it, do a full rewrite of it. And at that point either get like reader input, like a beta reader, or start sending it to an editor and putting it through a cup, you know, a structural edit draft and then probably a smaller structural edit draft and then a like a full-fledged proof proofread. So that's that's the that process. In terms of style of writing, um, I've been told that I have sort of a slow burn or a slow build sort of style where I don't like to dump info on people. I let them sort of figure it out as they go. And I think that's probably that's probably accurate. I'm kind of afraid of the info dump of like this big exposition wall back in their day then did this and that is why they are afraid of this, you know, or whatever. I don't do that. So yeah, I just sort of try to sprinkle in little bits of information throughout. And um, I wish I were a little bit more verbose. (laughs) Uh, my, My writing style tends to be a bit sparse. And so I would love to like over the Christmas the Christmas holidays, I was reading um, like uh, I don't know how you would pronounce it, Stieg Larsson, um, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, okay. 
and he he puts in so many little mundane scenes about their lives and what they yes. eat and and i i actually like really like that and i wish i could do that but it's just not in my nature i'm like quick get to the point land the plane this must be happened this must happen now yeah so yeah mine's a little more sparse than that and i wish it wasn't i would like to learn to be like a little bit more like that with you know nice little character scenes sprinkled throughout the plot mm-hmm. so for bridger you said it's like a series and each one has kind of a beginning and an end you've had them all planned out before you started publishing them right yes okay i had them all written before i started publishing them okay cool did like you said it's beginning to end so they must all fit together they in, do yeah in a rather linear way yeah not unlike certain certain like, tv shows where the whole season has one plot not just your your um, monster of the week or whatever yeah so yeah it does tell one whole story if you put it together as a book it would still it would still make complete sense so it's it's a little bit more like chapters except that you have to sort of make sure that you don't end mid-thought otherwise that'd be really frustrating for a reader i guess yeah, yeah. okay that's exciting oh i love stuff <laughs> so you mentioned or i guess you said that the thing like this person humanoid comes crawling and you like alluded to the fact that he's not human like it's a different universe's version of human <laughs> yeah like i've been kind of referring to as an alien because okay. that's just the easiest way to do it uh i mean is he mostly like do they look a bit more human i mean kind of in the same way that in like lord of the rings the elves look mostly human but they're not human yeah it'd be a little bit like that where they appear very humanoid but they have things like uh you know parts of their anatomy being very slightly different um and like very acute senses of hearing because they use their sense of hearing to find the portals for the most part um and they have some like cybernetic enhancements where they have um for instance like these chips in their brain that help them translate languages which is really important because they go through different worlds that they you know they can pick up the languages very quickly and and communicate Mm -hmm. with with the various species there um there's more things like that but they don't it doesn't really go into it in bridger quite so much i'm already thinking ahead because i have the sequel kind of underway and so i'm adding more stuff in the next next book but yeah that's exciting how do you decide have your other books had sequels or have they all been standalones i've had i have one uh trilogy the the third book is not out yet it's in the works um but other than that standalones and having done a trilogy then i kind of like swore i'd never do another one again oh why because it was so much it took so long to finish Mm -hmm. um that one i was working with other ones I'd self-published, and this one I was working with a publisher on, and so I had to do things according to their timeline, and had to wait for them on, on stuff, and and having like I didn't have any other projects that I had going on during that time, so I'm stuck with these characters all day long. Uh, well, not all day long, but all the time, and they were like very kind of angsty characters, mm. and so playing <laughs> mentally playing angsty characters for like three years got really tiresome <laughs> yeah i can see that taking quite a toll. like i would please i would just like some other characters now to work yeah. with 
Yeah. That makes sense. Especially because you said you do role play through all your characters. Do you do that even for the more minor characters in your books? Um, occasionally. Mm-hmm. Generally, not too much. I guess it would depend on, like, what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, it depends what they're doing. I mean, I don't usually invest quite as much in any of, like, the villains. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to try to roleplay from the villain's perspective as well. Otherwise, you're just... You're not going to have a three-dimensional character. So, th- in that their case, yes. Like, okay. I'm not one to write with big villainous characters. But if I do, then I will... They have to be a whole person. <laughs> they have to be a whole person. They have yeah. to have lives. Okay. God, I love talking about books. It's so much fun to talk to other writers. I'm like, yeah, tell me how you do it. (laughs) Especially, like, in the things that I'm struggling with, like, because I've been trying to figure out how to get, like, one of my characters from here to here. So hearing you say, like, oh, like, I role play it, that's exciting because I'm like, oh, I haven't tried that. (laughs) I'm like, what would he do? What if I was him? Um, This is how I put myself to sleep at night as I lie there in bed thinking about this. Mm-hmm. mentally role-playing different things <laughs> and that's something i've done since i was a kid yeah yeah that's just how my brain works do you play dungeons and dragons no i don't <laughs> well <laughs> highly recommend it um so just because we haven't said what genre is bridger um i initially branded it as a dy- dystopian serial i think it's a little more accurate to call it um just general sci-fi I would call it sci-fi with, like, romantic elements to it. Okay. And dystopian elements. Okay. Is there anything you want people to know, like, about Bridger or you as an author? Like, what writing is like? Like, any final takeaways? Hmm. I guess, like, I wouldn't say that I write stories with agendas of, of, you know, Mm -hmm. of ideas or meanings I want to bring across. Um, But in terms of of Bridger, or, you know, really in terms of all the stories, the stories I write, I tend to use them to um, mull over ideas that I'm working on mentally and, and trying to analyze and decide what I believe about them. In the case of Bridger, then Shar is this character who finds value only in the thing that she's things that she accomplishes, and that's something that that as a person uh, I really struggle with as well. Um, I find like I'm only you know a worthwhile person if I'm accomplishing things, and in in Bridger then then. Shar has to learn how to find value in the fact that she has people that love her as well. Um, you know, she has friends and 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 things like that who value her more for who she is than than what she can do. And so, I guess if I I just want people to enjoy Bridger as a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I'm not trying to teach them and be didactic in any way. But if they are able to kind of take that away when they read it as well, then then that would be great too. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I'm like that's a great way to put it. Like you as an author write a story for yourself, but like at the same time it's also something you want other people to enjoy, but for yourself it still is. Yeah. 
I think something. it helps me to be empathic mm-hmm. because like I said, I have that sort of style of like role playing to figure out where things are going. Then if I, if I am writing characters that have things that, you know, have beliefs that I don't believe in or, uh, or have life experiences that I've never experienced, then I can do research and I can think about how would this person experience the world and then spend some sort of time in their shoes, if you will. And I think that's, that's really useful because the world is so polarized right now where people can't see from other people's viewpoints. And, uh, and so having creative writing as an outlet to let me explore other people's viewpoints and experiences, I think helps me to become a more empathic person. And as a person who's going into journalism, I think that's important too. Like I just spent the last uh, month in the courthouse and uh, (laughs) yesterday was my last day there. And I sat in a trial in the morning or not a trial, rather a sentencing of a fellow who was, um, He's actually a former UFC fighter from Winnipeg. And, um, and you know, like the defense lawyers and stuff like that, they'll sort of spin things to make things favorable in their, in their uh, client's light. <laughs> but by the time I'd heard the whole story of this guy who was a fighter and this happened and that happened and he ended up getting cut and he's trying to, you know, feed his family, albeit by selling cocaine... Um, <laughs> goodness. Then I was just like kind of wrapped up in it, like a store in a story, and and this has happened to me other times too, where I've been sitting there and listening to people's sob stories of their life and how they became a cocaine dealer or how they became a murderer or anything mm-hmm. like that, and I'll start to feel with them, and I'm like, ah, gosh, maybe I'm too soft to do this job, but at the same time, if that helps me to be balanced in my coverage of them. I think that's really worthwhile. And so being able to sort of look at it, look at them as characters in a story and, and try to take on their mindset, mm-hmm. I think that will translate into journalism as well. Yeah, I think it's important to look at everyone as a compelling person because, like, my belief is everyone's just trying to be happy. So I don't think anyone's like, ha, 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 I'm going to sell this Coke and I'm going to get lots of money. I'm sure in their minds they're doing the right thing for themselves and that's the only way they know how to do it, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think it is a really good skill to have as a journalist and as someone who's going to be telling other people's stories and like giving other people information, you need to be able to see, okay, like even though this is what happened, like this happened for a reason and that reason is this, this is a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not because it's not for some blanket reason, like they're evil or, uh, or, or, or for the opposite reason of they're a great person and that's why they did this. It probably has far more backstory to it than you could ever know. Yeah. So it makes for, for fascinating work. Amazing. Okay, so who would you recommend Bridger to? Um, I wrote it with kind of people around my age in mind. So I kind of was thinking anywhere from like 1820 to like maybe mid 30s mm-hmm. um particularly women maybe women who would like a little more adventure than they normally have in their life maybe who are not super happy where they are right now uh to be able to have a, a, a story to escape into but maybe also a little bit of encouragement that hey they're worthwhile where they are right now too mm-hmm. and they have people that love them so and also does any like personally i like to read this kind of story too, like dystopian sci-fi, uh, 
adventure type stories. So people who are into that kind of stuff. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for coming in and talking to me. I will post a link to your cereal um, in the episode description. So everyone check it out. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's been fun chatting. Thank you. Bye. If you're a reader or a writer who's interested in coming to talk to me about your favorite book or your book, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at it's lit underscore pod.